May your unfailing love come to me, O Lord, your salvation, according to your promise. Then I can answer anyone who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Never take your word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws. I will always obey your law, forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I will speak of your statutes before kings and will not be put to shame, for I delight in your commands, because I love them. I reach out for your commands, which I love, that I may meditate on your decrees. Our gracious God, Heavenly Father, we make the psalmist's song our own. In your ways we walk about in freedom. We delight in your commands. We reach out for them to meditate day and night upon them. For you love us and have given us your word for our good and our happiness. And in the name of your beloved Son, our King and Savior, Jesus, we submit ourselves now to your word, to be changed and transformed by it. Amen. Amen. All right, so, uh, what do I do here, Christopher? Do I... All right. All right, so that's... Um, that's, that's the center of our passage that Jonathan read so well. Live as children of light, Paul tells us. Well, it was obvious uh, a minute ago, wasn't it, when the kids were up here, which child, well, fairly obvious and quite quickly, uh, which child belonged with which parent, wasn't it? You didn't really need to know. You, you don't need to have known them for a long time. You don't need to know their story. You can tell quite quickly who belongs with who. Not so? Why? Well, because they look like each other. My, um, my, my son uh, is quite proud that uh, most of the time uh, when we go to new places, people know he's my son. Uh, and my daughter already knows where this, go- where this is going. She is less proud of the, uh, the family resemblance. Vigo used to attend a Friday night youth group in Cape Town. And ordinarily, Nicolette would take him or one of the other moms in, in the sort of group uh, of friends would pick him up. So I, I hadn't been until couple of months ago, the first time I went to pick him up, and I got there a bit early, and I walked into the, the back of the hall where they were busy with their stuff, and as soon as I walked in, two of the leaders approached me and said, oh, you must be Vigo's dad. It's obvious, isn't it? You can see there's a family resemblance. So live as children of light just means you, you're one of the family, so look like it. You're one of the family of God. Look like your family. And in this, in this passage, what looking like your family means, sorry, I'm just trying to balance things on here so that I don't crash the podium. Um, looking like Jesus means, sorry, looking, looking like part of the family, how? By wanting to please your Father in heaven. That's the, that's the emphasis here in verse 10. You were once darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. How? Find out what pleases the Lord. Do what pleases the Lord. Live in a way that pleases the Lord. That's essentially what it means. And then Paul goes on in this passage to flesh out what that means, what that looks like in two areas of life, two really important areas of life. The first, how do we please the Lord in the area of our sexual morality and ethics? And second, how do we please the Lord in our relationships with one another in church? 
So we'll talk about each of those in turn. So first, what does it mean to look like the family of God in the area of sexual morality and ethics? And I think there are two answers to this, or two main points that Paul gives us in the passage. The first is, don't flirt with the darkness. And the second, don't believe the lie that darkness isn't dark. Don't believe those who call darkness light. But among you there must not be even a hint, not even a hint, he says, of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed. Why not? Because these are improper for God's holy people. It just doesn't fit. It's just not part of the family. It's not what the family looks like. The family of light are are those who have been recreated from the inside out to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The family of light are those who have learned Christ, who walk in the way of love, sacrificially giving of themselves to do good for others in a way that pleases God their Father. And sexual immorality and impurity are the exact opposite of that, aren't they? What is good is sexual intimacy within the covenant of marriage between one man and one woman for life. This pleases God. He invented it. He designed us for it. In fact, the fulfillment of his plan to fill the earth with his image bearers depends upon it. God is for it. The Bible is clear about that in many passages, not just this one between husband and wife. Anything else, anything else, is self-serving, self-gratifying, at the expense of others, and ultimately at the cost of your own soul. And don't flirt with it. Don't flirt with it. Now, flirting, my youngest asked me earlier, is, uh, is, showing, that you, is showing somebody that you like them without coming out and saying it. It's, it's when your, your behavior and your actions towards somebody show that you like them, but you don't want to come out and commit in words to saying, I like you and I want to pursue a relationship with you. It's sort of being half in and half out. It's on the edge of the thing. The desire in your heart, though, the attraction, shows itself. And that's, that's what I think Paul is getting at here. You, there must not even be a hint. Not even a hint. Nor should there be obscenity foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place well I mean of course they're out of place what what comes out of your mouth reveals what's in your heart and how could such things be in the hearts of God's holy people now whether it's open immorality or filthy talking and dirty joking all of these reveal a heart that enjoys the darkness flirting with it toying with it maybe not wanting to fully surrender to it or to fully commit to it, but still enticed by it, still enjoying the idea of it, the fantasy of it. But Paul says, don't flirt with temptation. The the great um, English Puritan John Owen put it so well, as as he did for most things, let no man pretend to fear sin that does not fear temptation also. These are too closely united to be separated. He does not truly hate the fruit who delights in the root. I'll read that again. Let no man pretend to fear sin that does not fear temptation also. These two are too closely united to be separated. He does not truly hate the fruit who delights in the root. 
Does that make sense? Well, come on, many will say, you're a pastor, you're paid to say these things. But be real. There's no harm in a little excitement. Everybody's just having fun here. Everyone's doing it. Besides, no one's being forced to do anything they don't want to do. No one's getting hurt. It's all good. What's the big deal? In fact, many will say, Mr. Holier-than-thou pastor will be the accusation. You're the one doing harm by telling people to suppress their true desires. Well, what does the Bible say to that? Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Don't believe the lie. Many will tell you that the darkness isn't dark. Movies, TV, magazines, political leaders, even schools and universities, your classmates, your colleagues, an endless parade of celebrities will tell us, will tell you that dark is light and light is dark. Don't believe the lie. If you know dark is dark and light is light, if you know wrong is wrong and right is right, and you're fighting the temptation to not do wrong or to think wrong, then keep fighting. This is evidence that God is at work in your heart. Not that you're never tempted towards darkness, but that you hate it and wish that you weren't. That you long to be free, totally and forever free, of the desire to do wrong. And good news, friends, this is our promised salvation. That one day we will be free of it, in the new heaven and the new earth. By the death and resurrection of Jesus, God has, has paid the penalty of our sin, saved us from judgment. By the word of Christ and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, He is daily saving us from the power of sin. And at the return of Jesus, He will save us from the presence of sin altogether. Jesus has defeated the darkness. Jesus is defeating the darkness. And Jesus will soon banish the darkness forever to hell. So friends, well, let, let me say first to the children and the teenagers, um, I know that uh, if your moms and dads were standing up here now, your grands and granddads were standing here now and were able to say this in front of you, in fact, if any one of the adults in this room were standing here now, all of whom love all of you and want the best for all of you, they would say the same thing. Don't flirt with the darkness. Don't play with temptation. Don't believe the lies. Darkness and light are not the same thing. Now to, to parents and adults... How strongly do you wish you could press those warnings into the hearts of your children? How powerful is your love for them that would, if it could, brand those warnings on their souls to keep them safe, for their good, for their happiness? Now, with, with all the strength of fatherly love and protection that you feel, with all the depth of motherly love and affection, hear the word of your Heavenly Father to you. Among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed. Now look with me again at verse 8. 
You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. You see, the call to live as children of light doesn't come first. It flows from something that God has already done. You are light in the Lord. Now live as children of light. God has already done this. He has made you light in Christ. You were once darkness. And this is the salvation God has accomplished in Christ. We, who once were darkness, not just who lived in the darkness, but actually were darkness. We who were darkness are now light. We've been made part of the family, adopted as sons and daughters of God, and not just adopted in a legal sense, but given new hearts, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We have a new status, we are members of the family, and a new love, to please our Father, following the example of Jesus. We could say it this way. We are God's holy people. That's what he calls us in verse 3. God's holy people. We are the people he has saved for himself and made part of his family. And we long to be holy. That is, we long that our lives would look more and more every day like we are God's children. You are light in the Lord. Now live as children of light. But our surroundings haven't changed. The world hasn't changed. We still live in a world that calls darkness light and light darkness. And so in the darkness, shine. Be different. How do you shine? Well, in the area of sexual morality, by rejecting the worldly way, of self-gratification at the expense of others and instead walking in the way of love as Jesus did. What does this mean? If you're married, it means giving thanks to God for your husband or wife and sacrificially doing good for them. If you're unmarried, that means giving thanks to God for the opportunities he has given you to show sacrificial love to others, doing good for them. For all of us, it means sacrificially doing good for others to please our Father in heaven. And pleasing your Father in heaven is the greatest happiness of all. Excuse me just a sec. You see, this is, a, this is the great lie, one of the great lies of the world. We say, um, or the world says, what holiness means is that you're a, a morbid, morose, fun-hating person. Uh, that you just reject anything that's fun or pleasant or nice and you want to spend all your time um, just sitting around in three-piece suits being miserable. Now, that is an absolute lie and I think this passage reveals that. I think it shows us, and this I, I especially want our children to hear because our world presses this view of sexuality on our youth especially, in such a forceful way and in such a wicked way. And the lie is that God's way is boring and repressive and there's no joy in it. And if you want to have fun in life, you've got to reject holiness. That's an outdated concept that belongs to the Puritans of 400 years ago and it's got nothing to do with the modern world or with anybody who wants to be happy. And it's complete nonsense. It's utter nonsense. What this passage shows us, kind of 
in a sense, behind the scenes of the passage. It's not the main emphasis of it, but it's, it, it, it assumes it, should I say, is that the, the path to holiness and the path of happiness are, the, are one path. For God's people, there is no greater pleasure than pleasing your Father. What the world says is you have fun by following your own desires, whatever those may be, whether in the area of sexuality or any other, you get pleasure by doing what you want, by getting what you want. And if that means at the expense of other people, well, so be it. You've got to go after what makes you happy. What God tells us is that true happiness is found in being more like Christ. Who was the happiest person who ever lived? It was Jesus. Yes, he was a man of sorrows too. He knew sorrow, he knew pain, he knew suffering more than any of us ever will. But he was also the happiest man who ever lived. And what did he say? My food is to do the will of my Father. I came from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And we see in this passage, and the passage that preceded it, if you look at the character of the life described as the life of darkness, you'll see it's, it's, it's consistently described as unhappy. It's dark, it's impure, it's deceitful, full of false, falsehood and anger, etc., etc. Whereas the people of God are described as the people of light, truth, righteousness, serving one another in love. How wise and good is our God that he has de designed reality this way, that the path to holiness and the path to happiness are the same, even in this area, even in the area of sexual morality. And parents, I encourage you, um, as seems appropriate and fitting to their, to their ages, to talk this through with your children, to explain God's way is the way to happiness. It's not just about following rules. We don't do it God's way just to tick the box and say we comply with the requirements of godliness. That's also true. We follow God's rules because he is God and he has the authority to give rules and we should follow them. But the passage I read from the Psalms earlier tells us we follow rules because we know God's rules are good and for our good and they lead us to happiness. Now, what about as a church family? Moving on. How do we look like a family of light together? Well, just as, uh, just as the holy hearts of each individual member of the family are revealed in how we treat members of the opposite sex, as we've seen, so the holy heart of the family is revealed in our relationships and how we live together. Two brief points, and then we'll close. First of all, in our relationships, we must be intentional. We don't just float into holiness. Be careful then. Be careful then how you live. Verse 15. Be intentional. The natural drift of Western culture is to selfishness. It's to place our own wants and needs and preferences above others. But the church is to be different. As we show Christ-like love to one another, that is intentionally looking out for each other's best, looking for opportunities to do good, we, so we together show the family likeness. We look like the family to which we belong, God's family, the family of light. So, friends, 
Do you know of a need among us? Maybe somebody here needs some practical help with something. Maybe you have the ability to help them. Maybe somebody here is worried about something. Maybe you could help ease their worry. Maybe somebody here is lonely. I will bet that at least some here, given that we are a new family, I know some have been gathering together longer than others, but all in all we are still a relatively new family. I would bet that there are at least a handful here right now tonight who are still feeling out of place. I'm not sure if I really fit here. I don't know if I really belong. Wondering, will I fit in this church? Well, friends, verse 17, understand what the Lord's will is. It is the Lord's will for you to show Christ-like love to one another in these things. To be intentional. And maybe... And you'll pardon me if this is uh, if this is too South African, and um, and I'm still learning the the ways of doing these things. Maybe that requires going up to somebody after the service tonight and just asking them directly, "Can I help you? Is there any way I could serve you tonight or this week?" Might that be what being intentional means? Just asking. And committing to this week doing something to help somebody here tonight. Or perhaps somebody who couldn't make it to join us tonight. So Paul goes on, verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Now, it could be that the church he was writing to had a specific problem with this. We know that uh, the, the culture of Ephesus was linked to a certain form of, of Celtic worship and, and um, alcohol was part of that. Um, but I'm not sure that that's Paul's main point. I'm not sure that it's really specifically about alcohol that is the issue here. I think the issue might be don't be numbed and distracted from life and the needs around you. Getting drunk is a, is a form of escapism. It's a running away from the world. Retreating into a, a cocoon of self-gratification where the needs of others are completely out of mind and all that matters is the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. But, uh, but getting drunk isn't the only way to do that, is it? Golf can do that. Netflix can do that. Social media can do that. Getting drunk on alcohol can do that. Being a workaholic can do that. I think what he means here is don't give yourself to a self-absorbed life. Don't retreat from others around you. Don't develop patterns in your life that keep you from seeing and noticing and being attentive to and responsive to the needs of the community around you. No. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. And what does that mean? We learned last week from verse... 2, chapter 5, verse 2. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Sorry. I'll carry on. So what he says is, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Continually, always be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-off thing. What does that mean? Well, an analogy might help. Um... If, if somebody were, uh, let's imagine, for example, 
um, had lost, had, had recently lost a loved one, uh, was at a funeral, and was doing what is perfectly appropriate to do at a funeral, overwhelmed with sadness, maybe sitting, crying, maybe doesn't want to interact right now. They, we would say they are filled with sadness. Or um, a child going with, uh, with his mum to, say, a circus, walking into the tent, and there's just light and smoke and noise as everything gets ready, and then the announcer's voice comes and says, ladies and gentlemen, and the lights go down and things flash, and it's all exciting, and you hear the elephants, elephanting, whatever they call what elephants do, and the child is popping at the seams. What do you say? You say he's filled with excitement. What does that mean? It means that in that moment, their whole being is an expression of that emotion. The sad person who is filled with sadness, their whole being in that moment is an expression of a, of a dominating and controlling and overwhelming sadness. The child at the circus is filled with excitement. Everything they do is an expression of this excitement that wants to burst out of them. So be filled with the Spirit means that our lives are an expression of the Holy Spirit, that we are so filled with the Spirit all the time, always be being filled with the Spirit, that the nature and character of the Spirit is what comes out of us, that we look more and more like Jesus, that we keep looking more like a community, a family, shaped in the likeness of Christ. Now, what would that look like in action? Well, there are a couple of, uh, of hints at it here towards the end of the passage that Jonathan read for us, and I will just run through them briefly. So, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, does that mean that our life together is like an opera? Every time we walk in, we, we sing to each other? Now, it's going to embarrass my family terribly if I have a go at this, so... No, no, don't. Okay. <laughs> but no, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. So what were, what were the psalms? Well, some of the psalms are songs and praise to God, but some are also songs to each other, encouraging each other to live a certain way. Uh, in, in a few minutes, Jim will lead us in singing, Consider Christ. Well, that is a song in a, in a sense that we sing to each other. I'm singing to you, saying, consider Christ. Look to Jesus. So when he says, uh, be a community, speaking to one another, psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, yes, I think that includes our singing together. But the essence of it is we are a community that wants to speak the gospel to each other, to continue, continually being encouraging one another in the truth of who we are in Christ. So whatever, whatever challenge you're facing... Um, in whatever area of life, those around you in your family, in your small group, who are closest and aware of what's going on, should be speaking the gospel to you, saying this is what it means that Jesus has come and died and risen and ascended, the promises he has made, this is what this means for you. Let me encourage you. So we are a community encouraging one another in the gospel. We're a community, it says, uh, verse 19, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks. Now, what does that sound like? To me, that sounds like happy people. Who sings and makes music? To, 
Music from your heart to the Lord. People who have a song in their heart. Generally speaking, happy people. A community shaped by the Holy Spirit is a happy community. That doesn't mean we pretend to be happy when we're sad, that we ignore when things go wrong. It just means, generally speaking, our disposition is one of joy. It means we are a thankful people, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of Jesus Christ. So a community shaped by the Spirit, a community continually being filled with the Spirit, is a community speaking the gospel to one another, a community that is happy together, happy in Christ, and happy that he has joined them to one another, a community of thanksgiving, a community of service, serving one another, that is, a community on the lookout for opportunities to do good for one another. So, friends, we, we were once darkness, but are now light in the Lord. Live as children of light, seeking always to please the Father in heaven. Love is, love is more than a feeling. Well, now, there's a song that goes like that. Um, it is a transforming power. Paul prayed earlier in this letter that we would have spiritual power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know his love that surpasses all understanding. Now he says, always keep on being filled with the Spirit. He's saying the same thing. For to know the love of Christ and to be filled with the Spirit are just it's different ways of referring to the same reality, emphasizing different aspects of one truth. All parents know you have to say the same things over and over and over and over again, don't you? Sometimes in different words, sometimes in the same words. But repetition is part of what teaching is. It's certainly part of what discipleship requires. And the Bible will continue in dozens of ways, in dozens of places, to tell us the same thing. You are made new in Christ. Now be new. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You are part of the family. So look like it. How? By wanting always to please your heavenly Father. And our Father has told us in this passage what pleases Him. So let's together be resolved by His grace at work within us for our own good, for our own happiness, and for His glory to obey. Amen? I'm going to pray briefly and invite you to stand then as uh, Jim and the team come up to lead us in a song of response. Our gracious God, how good and kind and merciful are you that we who were once darkness, who were opposed to you, to your beloved Son, you have made light not just invited us into the light, although that's also true, but you have made us light. How great is the salvation, how complete, and how we look forward to its consummation one day. Father, would you help us, as individuals, to be more and more like Jesus every day, to continue to be transformed into his likeness, to live lives of self-sacrificial love, and would you help us as a community, to give ourselves intentionally to one another in loving service. Father, I pray 
on behalf of every parent here, especially for our children. That the words of this message would sink deep. That they would print upon their souls and that they would know darkness is not light. That they would not flirt with temptation. They would not play around the edges of the darkness. Father, would you give us parents here tonight this blessing to see our children stay far from the edge of the cliff. Father, may we evermore, every day, be a community that pleases you in all we do and in all we don't do. Make us more and more like your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.